divine connection marketing is a collaborative fortune company that always connects you to the right connection. Check them out. Welcome to Love and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Reestrock. I'm here with special guest, Scott Williams. Welcome. Hi, Emil. How are you? Good. And yourself? I'm fantastic. Thanks. How's it's uh, quite rainy down here, but anyway. I Australia. was just going to ask how Australia is. Yeah, it's been some flooding where I am. I'm quite safe, but my daughter had to be evacuated due to flood. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite wet. Well, I wish her all the best. Thank you. But you are the author of Light Bulb Moments. So, okay, what prompted you to write the book and what is the book about? Okay, well, it's got um, an interesting genesis in that um, I was actually at the pub with a friend and we were having a, a spirited discussion about whether the world was going to hell in a handbasket. He was very much of the opinion that uh, everything was going to hell and we were all doomed. Okay. And I was telling him, well, actually, things are far better than they've ever been in many aspects, but I didn't have the, uh, the data to, at my fingertips and I'm not very good at arguing in the moment. So I, he ended up just saying you know, I don't know what you're talking about and we carried on having had a pleasant evening but I went home and uh, that evening or uh, that night I all the arguments came into my head you know when you, you remember those things afterwards you think you know, I should have said this I should have said that uh, and that was the beginning of the book in that I started thinking about all those things and even though I you know you can never go back the day after and say hey by the way that argument that I lost last night in fact here are all the amazing uh, arguments I have to refute that right we call that petty so we can't do that but we can write a book about it we can and that's the ultimate petty I suppose (laughs) (laughs) my 65,000 word response to that argument (laughs) But that's always the fun part, though. You can go back through history and find out why the world is actually in a great place. Yeah, I mean, obviously, right now, a lot of people would think that's in a terrible place, and it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell you that it's not, you know, a very difficult place to be in at the moment. But my argument is that um, basically things are, have always been getting incrementally better, but it's a bit like the stock market. It's going up and then there'll be a crash. We're in a bit of a crash right now, but mm-hmm. it will eventually keep ticking up and, uh, you know, things will continue to uh, improve. Like you can, you can see over history, like obviously we're not, you know, hunting mammoths anymore. We're doing other things. And there will be some people who would argue that uh, we're on the wrong track. But um, I think in, in the big scheme of things, we're doing okay. Exactly. It's, okay, we're in a very a valley. We call it pits and valleys or hills and whatever, but we're in a pit right now. Yeah, it sucks, but it's going to get better when we change a few things about society. Yeah. Now, what I'm, I'm not telling you that everything is going to get better and that everything's going to stay the same. In fact, nothing stays the same. No. And there will be some things that we take as normal now that will no longer exist. And... Um, but other things will take their place 
and those things will inevitably end up being better. Exactly. Look at the rotary phone from the 1980s to our cell phones that we have today. Things get better and we forget things. It's funny. I was talking to my daughter last night. She's 16 and she was wanting to go back. I think she's been watching a lot of Stranger Things okay. and wants to go back to a simpler age. <laughs> you know, maybe not the horror, but the, you know, the sort of rotary phones and all that kind of stuff. And she was bemoaning the fact that she has her cell phone and you know, is on TikTok and can get text messages any time of day or night. And I said, well, to be honest, if my friends and I in the sort of 70s when I was her age um, had the option of having mobile phones, we would have said, yeah, bring it on. We love it. Well, I would have loved the idea. I think you can't, um, you can't, once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't put it back in again. No, you can't. So, no. I mean, I can remember being a kid and if I wanted privacy on the phone, I had to take the phone and the cord into closet to get privacy. It's now if I want privacy, I just move myself from wherever I'm at because I have the phone right there. Yep, exactly. And there's, there are any number of things that are like that. And like there are definitely obviously arguments that um, we have lost some privacy due to you know obviously um the data that's being collected on us probably wearing data collected us on us right now by by youtube or somebody <laughs> but anyway but so, so there is there is a loss of privacy as well even though you can have that that in the moment privacy of being able to take your phone anywhere but i don't know I, I, a lot of people would disagree with me i'm very passionate about this idea that we and we need to to be a bit more optimistic because without optimism, where are we going? Exactly. And at the same, same time, you have to think of it like this. When we're in a pit, we start inventing things to get ourselves yeah. out as a society. This is the age of inventions right now, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can see that in the book, that it's at those moments of uh, distress where we come up with um, you know, massive responses to things like obviously World War II, horrible thing, mm -hmm. but it led to a lot of advances that, you know, things like um, penicillin and a lot of things that we, you know, take for granted today, but in fact, probably would, we wouldn't be as advanced if it hadn't um, happened. Exactly. You can take any major critical event that was disastrous in that moment and then look 10 years later at the growth that we had because of the inventions. Yeah, I think even now with with all of the fuel crisis and everything, I think that's going to drive uh, green energy. It's going to drive uh, a lot of um, innovation that probably wouldn't happen so fast. People have been obviously we've seen people dragging their heels on that kind of thing because their vested interests in uh, the oil industry. And and I think now that we are suffering as a result of what's going on we're looking for ways to fix that and we'll find them think right. things are already there but they will get better they will get more efficient and it's unfortunate because i mean some of the people who are very down on the way things are changing are people who are losing their jobs because of um these innovations and it's it's cold comfort to them to say well you know you're 
your mining jobs are going, but it's okay. You'll be you'll get a new job in in um, you know sort of solar energy or something because those jobs don't necessarily go to those people. But unfortunately, that's what happens. The industrial revolution that happened. There were people who um, you know had cottage industries at home, then had to you know they lost their jobs and had to go and work in factories and it wasn't pleasant for a while. They're at moments of change, and we're going through a moment of change right now, it's uncomfortable. And things aren't always as um, or as smooth as you'd like them to be. Exactly. It's when you're living in your comfort zone, you're comfortable, you're, everything's peachy, everything's the way you want it. When you start living out of your comfort zone, now you have to grow to new comfort. Yes, for sure. And it, what, I, what I can't say to anybody is that it's going to be better for everybody all at once. I think at human, the human race as a, as a whole will improve. But the lot of individuals, that doesn't always get better. No, it's and and we, can't, be, we can't promise that. No, it's going to be a, a lot of people hurting for a while because they are lost. They don't know how to mm. grow. Yes. And people, people fear change. A lot of people are very fearful of change. Um, I mean, I have, my sister is, my older sister, um, is very, I won't say fearful, but she, she's very dismissive of things and wants things to go back to the way they used to be. And that's a recipe for feeling sad a lot of the time because things won't ever go back to the way they were. And you have to be able to... Um, move on and accept things as they are and make the best of those things and they may not be exactly as you want them exactly it's not just how do i say this people didn't want change they didn't want the light bulb when it was invented they didn't want electricity when it that was invented no. they didn't it was want dangerous yeah they didn't want the first automobile back in when henry ford brought it out with the model t Everything that we have today that we think of as a luxury, what did the entrepreneurs and business owners and inventors have to go through to make that change? Well, we're seeing it, it just, right sorry, now. You finish, yeah. And and those things disrupt the things the way the the, the the status quo. So when the automobile came in, if you were someone who was a you know had made buggies, you would have been very upset about that. And mm -hmm. if you couldn't adapt to service that new industry, then you would have lost your job or lost your business. In fact, I um, um, currently I'm an uh, elementary school teacher, but the first 23 years of my career, I was, um, I was in the family printing business. And one reason I'm not a printer anymore uh, is because of technology changing. I lost my job because of technological change. Yeah, there are still printers, but not the way they, they used to be and not anywhere near as many are required as they used to be. So it was a small business, had only employed about 10 people. There was no place for it anymore. And that's just the way the world is. You have to accept those things sometimes. I didn't like it. It was painful. I had to retrain at, um, at 37. I started doing a, a teaching degree. Um, but it's been overall a big positive. I actually enjoy teaching far more than I enjoy, ever enjoyed being in business. Yeah, it's even, I'm in printing, I'm a publisher. So my factory, I have four people. 
businesses all across the planet are looking to make connections with people. Well, guess what? The Connection Magazine is helping businesses not only walking their personal connections, but to get connected to their potential. That's right. You've got to connect to your potential and you can make it happen now because it is time to know your work. As you As get you connected get to people to all people across, across the planet, the, planet, the Vibe Connections magazine will make it happen. Get featured in the magazine today and get your copy now because there's no other time than a divine time to get connected to the Vibe Connections magazine. That does bugs. Now, if you would have went back 30, 40 years ago, having four people would have been too much stress for four people to handle. Yeah, for sure. You would need 10 to 20 people for those same jobs. Absolutely. And that's technological advances. Yeah, and you have to be able to adapt to those things to survive. And I think that's coming back to the, the book. I mean, the, the, this book is, you can see up here, I'm, I'm, I can't point, I'll probably point in the wrong direction, up here, Cave to Colosseum. The very first book only goes from, it's like basically the dawn of humanity up to the end of the Roman Empire. Um, and I'm working on the, the follow-up now, which will take us up to the end of the Enlightenment. And there's probably going to end up being four books. So it was originally one big book um, and it was it never going to get much. published like that. <laughs> but- it would have been about a... 250,000 word book <laughs> yeah we that's just too much to read at one time so yeah we, it's good to break it down but at the same time each volume you can see the growth that we've seen as humanity yes exactly and i think um even in in the well in the cave cave to coliseum part of it there isn't as much growth as you know as we might we're used to seeing exponential growth now Mm -hmm. like in my grandmother's lifetime she grew up with well she was born in 1895 she grew up with horses and carriages there was no phone not much electricity and she lived to see people on the moon um in that very short like it was what 65 years or something, 75 years that that, that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 75 years back in the Roman times, very little would have happened. Very little technological change, very little change to people's lifestyles. It was very slow because particularly back in like with cavemen, they were learning how to do like just to have language. They were learning how to do a lot of the things we take for granted. So it was very slow because they were inventing all these basic things like how to have a tool. What, what is a tool? Do you use a tool? Um, so it took them millennia just to get the things that we take for granted. And I think we're, sometimes we look at back at cavemen and go, well, you know, they were primitive and they were all these things, which they were, mm-hmm. but they were also very inventive. And they also had to do the heavy lifting that we just take for granted, language and uh, inventiveness, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Where would we be if we didn't learn a language? Where would we be if we didn't learn how to make a hammer or a knife or 
something to kill our food, you know, back. Yeah. Well, we'd be nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely nowhere. Sorry. Oh. Just, uh, it's, it's morning here. I'm having my morning coffee. Oh, you're good because I have a lot of international shows, so we're good. But at the same time, those were the ones that were the inventors and the ones that got us to the Coliseum. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, the Coliseum is made of concrete, which I didn't realize a lot of concrete, it's not all stone, which I assumed it was. So they, the Romans invented concrete, things that we use all to today. I mean, so there's, we were building, slowly building on everything. Like we'd make a, a discovery and then it would lead to another one. And it happened slowly. Like I said, it was incremental, mm-hmm. but as time goes by, it gets faster and faster. Like, for instance, this first book covers probably, you know, 100 million years of history because it goes from, you know, the earliest sort of hominids up to the end of the Roman Empire. The second book is about 1,000 years but covers as much um, development. The third book will probably be 200 years and the fourth book will probably be 100 years because of the exponential growth of knowledge. Exactly. And right there, the way you have this structured, you see the slow growth to the almost the daily growth. Yeah. Well, actually, God, so give me a little bit of paper here because there's something I was looking at. It's, out of, it's about, um, my book's about collective learning. So mm-hmm. it's how humanity um, gathers up the learning and distributes it and then grows and then adds to it. So, and then the whole um, body of knowledge grows. And um, Buckminster Fuller in 1982 estimated that up to 1900, knowledge doubled approximately every century. He said by 1945, it was do- doubling every 25 years. By 82, it was do- doubling every 12 to 13 months. And now it's thought that no- the whole body of human knowledge doubles every 12 hours. That is a lot of knowledge in 12 hours. It's a lot of knowledge in 12 hours. And that's why we can't have um, polymaths and geniuses like uh, in the same way that we had Leonardo da Vinci and those people who knew every, they were doing science, they were doing art, they were doing um, uh, physiology, all sorts of things. Because there was the human the, the body of knowledge wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have one person across all those things now because there's too much knowledge. It's just no one person couldn't possibly do it, which is why we're so specialised. Exactly. Now you can find just about anything you want on the internet. Yes, absolutely. I'm learning SEC stocks and securities. I don't know if Australia has a stock exchange yes. there. I, I assure you. I assume they do, but I'm learning the U.S. version of that for my company. Now, 10 years ago, me learning the same information would have been, oh, you need a lawyer, you need a CPA, and you need a degree. Absolutely. And now those things are at our fingertips. And that's that's amazing. Um, it's also slightly dangerous. I mean, <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking about corporate law... <laughs> <laughs> there are reasons there are corporate lawyers. Yes, there is. <laughs> Nevertheless, I mean, it, it, it does give you the basis to be able to start talking about that because, and, and go to a, into a meeting and know what you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. which is why I'm also going to school to learn what I'm reading. 
<laughs> but yes. that's the same thing. I can learn from any college that I want from my computer. I no yeah. longer have to go 50,000 miles away to a university someplace in the middle of nowhere to learn something when I can take their classes right here from my desk. Well, I've, I've done two degrees and a couple of uh, graduate certificates online. Mm -hmm. So with minimal on-campus um, stuff. So yeah, it, and that was that was nearly 20 years ago that was happening. So now I haven't done the university stuff for a while, but I imagine it must have, that must have grown too. I mean, everything after that, COVID. Yeah, everything that we have now is because something prompted the need for the growth in this sector. Yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, as we just said, like, obviously, there was already infrastructure there to have um, online learning. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. Now, I, as an elementary school teacher, like I was teaching from home for um, the best part of well, over two years, I would have done a year's teaching from home nearly. We didn't have it quite so tough here as I think you guys had it, but we were locked down for probably about, I don't know, three months in uh, 2020 and another four or five months in 2012. And because of technology, I was able to continue. I was able to get paid. I was able to teach my kids. I was able to do my job all from the desk I'm sitting at now. So and, and all those things were in, in place because of, I guess, some of the early um, forays into online learning that was, I was doing 20 years ago. Right. I mean, okay. My cousin started online school back when he was in the seventh, eighth grade. This is 20 some years ago, over 20 yep. years ago. That program he's, has evolved to the national scale and now we use that technology that anyone around the world can use to teach their kids. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like you say, it's it's these kind of tough times that that drive um, innovation and growth. It's just painful. It is, and then you have the ones that don't want the growth. You have the teachers. Oh, you can't get an education online. You have to come to a traditional school. This is 20 years ago. Why? Mm. Because they were afraid it would replace teachers today. Yeah. Well, one thing we noticed, um, and my teacher colleagues and I, was that even though we were delivering stuff online, a lot of things didn't happen unless there was a teacher this is supervising and teaching i mean just just providing stuff for kids i mean when you're an adult it's different i mean i did a lot of online learning mm -hmm. uh, it was self-directed and i didn't have to have somebody over my shoulder but when you're 11 and 12 and you really want to be playing minecraft and you know but but for people want you to do your homework and mum and dad are in the corner trying to do their their job as well because they're locked down and trying to do work from home uh, there's minimal supervision and a lot of things just didn't get done. And we were, we were basically told that um, it was all about by, by our superiors, that it was all about the kids' mental health. And we was, we didn't have, weren't allowed to push them too much because it was, um, could be detrimental to their, their well-being. So. Oh, yes. I don't know about that. My daughter was her last two years of high school were basically online learning. Yeah. 
She can't tell me anything she learned in those two years other than what she did in Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, it's there's a lot of, even though it's amazing what was possible, mm-hmm. I, and I think that we, you know, we we can't discount the fact that um, face-to-face learning is great, what is better in many respects. Although, like I said, nothing would have happened. We, if, if we'd been locked down without online learning, then there would have been no learning at all. And they wouldn't have been able to interact with their classmates or other people. So, you know, small mercies. It is. It, there's going to be more hurting and more technology coming out in the next couple of years. But right now, like I said, we're in a growth stage. We don't see it because everyone's still inventing and whatever they're inventing, we don't see, we don't have access to yet, but it's coming. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's, that, that's kind of what I'm at, I suppose, is to, to point that out to people because, you know, like, I mean, I was saying, you know, recently to somebody that um, like had, had COVID happened 30 or 40 years ago, mm-hmm. then it would have been infinitely worse. Imagine people locked down at home and they all they've got is their limited supply of, you know, VHS movies to watch or on, or, or just um, free to air television. Um, they couldn't have worked from home. They'd have, you know, they could have read books, but it depends how many books they had to read. Mm-hmm. It, life would have been infinitely more difficult. So what development has given us in, in this regard is, is a way of doing the things we need to do remotely. So I'm not, no one's saying that uh, uh, a replacement for being face-to-face with people, but we had to do what we had to do. Exactly. And everything's coming. COVID was horrible, but it could have been a lot worse if it would happen before, um, let's see, 20, 2000 hit, or even back in the 90s. It would have been horrible yeah. then. But at the same time, it's given us room to grow. What do we yeah. need to learn? What did we learn from this? How do we prevent it from happening again? Well. It's a virus. It's going to happen again sometime in some century. But at the same time, it won't be as bad as this time. Now, I mean, I've heard that some of the research into uh, vaccines and stuff, and I don't want to get into the the vaccine argument because I know a few people who have got lots of strong opinions and reasons for and against them. So I don't 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 want to go there. But what I have heard is that it's quite possible that, you know, more treatments for things like cancer will come as a result of a lot of the research that was done. And it's incidental things that that drive that, that are driven by other things. Like obviously there was a problem they, with COVID, they had to try and uh, face it. And they've learned some stuff along the way. And you know, those things will get repurposed for things that will help humanity in other ways. Exactly. It's like the moonshot. Um, they were they spent 10 years doing what it took to get to the moon and they learned a lot of things and a lot of stuff we have now, like funny little things like Velcro uh, as a result of research done for the moonshot. And then we have the filters from the Apollo 13, how to make Mm -hmm. a square peg fit in a round hole. Yeah. 
you know, is all these little things that we don't think of that change things 20 years from now, 10 years. From yeah, now. for sure. So there will be positive knock-ons from what we've been through, our collective trauma of the last, you know, two and a half years. Again, it's a bit too, we're a bit too close to see it now. It's, it's all a bit too raw, but we will see that there'll be benefits. There will be. But we are almost out of time. So where can our viewers and our listeners find you? Okay. So I've got a website, www.lightbulbmomentshistory.com. Uh, it's got a lot of um, stuff about the book. It's also got, uh, I'm trying to get some subscribers to my currently non-existent newsletter. You can sign up there for that. Um, there's not enough people at the moment to actually justify a newsletter, but it's getting there. Uh, the first um, hundred people who do sign up, you've got a, um, the, or there are one, there are they could win one of five uh, free signed copies of the book. That's that's part of the uh, the carrot to get people to sign up. Uh, and so yeah, there will be yeah, for one, well, yeah, there are five uh, copies to be given away. Um, at the moment, the book is it's available for pre-order on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble. It's not released until February, 2023, but um, yeah, it's a, a pre-orders available now. I am about to um, make some limited pre-order copies available on my website uh, for sale, but it's, that's probably okay for people in Australia. Uh, overseas, the um, the postage will probably kill you, so um, it's probably better to wait for it to be available on on um, on Amazon or somewhere. Yes. Um, you can also catch me um, on Twitter at somewhat history. Um, I I've even ventured into the world of TikTok. I'm at light bulb moments history there. I don't do little dances or anything, but I have sort of funny little videos I put up there just to try and. Um, drive things um yeah that's that's where i'm available um yeah so i'm hopefully trying to get some vibe happening because i know what it's like you know there's lots of people shouting you know about their books and i'm just one voice in the void so i'm trying to sort of give myself a bit of a point of difference that but is that it's, is it's goal. a positive vibe yeah it is but yeah, so I, I want people to feel one reason. I, I mean, it's it's history, but it, oh, the other thing I haven't mentioned is the book is funny. It's not just dry history. It's it's um it's told. Look, if there's a joke to be made, I'll go there. Okay, so it's it even though it's history and it's real, and I have a serious thesis in that I think the world is getting better. I also want it to be amusing and entertaining. It's not it's not a dry history tome. It's it's a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. so well, i can't wait to read it but thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me and for all of our viewers and our listeners happy reading <laughs>